Ready? Yeah. Nice. Hi. Episode 31. We Were Gamers. Not episode 31 of We Were Gamers. We Were Gamers is Subpod, a subspace transmission. The wonderful name developed by JJ. Hey, bud. Hey, man. How's Hi. it going, Andrew? I'm good. You know what? I'm still... I had a nice walk. We're doing this a little bit later than we normally do, so I'm not, like, desperate for the coffee this morning. You know? Mm-hmm. But, uh... It got my head. I I had to walk back fifteen minutes by myself after dropping the kid off, and that you know, I had Star Trek on the mind. I had some deep, deep Star Trek thoughts, my man. Okay, not well, really. We're here. I mean, well, uh, <laughs> this is a this isn't the deepest episode, so it's not the, like the you're... deepest episode of Deep Space Nine. Yeah, nice. Yes. No, it's really not. I mean. If no, you, this is a pretty fluffy one. If you, it's filler. It's filler. This this podcast is now called "In Defense of Filler." <laughs> uh, Deep Space well, Nine is, I think, remembered for more of the uh, plot. I mean, it 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 is the show. It, you know, the show can't. So we're talking about Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. I guess spoilers for the entirety of the series. Sure. Um, nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> yeah, from a show that came out of the nineties. Um, but it is the show that serialized Star Trek. It is. Yeah. It, that wasn't done before. And even contemporarily wasn't done in Voyager, which was on at the same time as Deep Space Nine for most of its run. It, it, Voyager tried to pick it up at the end to get their people home. Right. But the, near the end of Voyager, the last couple seasons, I think they started serializing a little bit. But it wasn't like every episode was a thing the way Deep Space Nine was. I guess Deep Space Nine wasn't quite that way either, right? There were some. No, there were definitely breaks. Each other. Yeah. I mean, you have three, no, two, two seasons of Dominion War to end this show, right? And at certain right. points in there, there's 26 episodes in a season, I think they, they needed to give people breaks, which is part of what this is. Um, you know, they had just gone through the finale of season six, which we don't really, I mean, it was a big one. It was uh, a big one for sure. Yeah. And uh, people needed time. I think they, they decided to kind of like throw this in there to, to give one people one last break before the end, which was big. I mean, well, I don't and think you also got to consider that at the start of this season, a bunch of changes happened to the show, right? They lost Dax and, uh, or they lost the actress that played Jadzia Dax, and yep. they ended up with Ezri Dax. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bunch of other stuff was going on behind the scenes, it sounds like. Um, you know, based on uh, if you, people have seen that, what is that documentary series? Or the, the movie? The uh, movie that just what, came out? What We Left Behind? What We Left Behind just came out, like last yeah. year. I haven't seen it yet, yeah. have you? Uh, I watched it on YouTube with ads for free. Oh, when did that come out? I don't know. YouTube with ads for free. I don't know. Okay. Well, uh, was it worth watching? What do you think? Uh, how much do you like Deep Space Nine? A good amount. Uh, it's interesting. It, it certainly is a very behind the scenesy kind of thing, right? It was made by one of the directors, I think. Ira Bear? Yeah, who directed a large number of Deep Space Nine episodes. And uh, was ended up being room, one of the executive like. producers of it, I think. Oh, yeah, it yeah. sure is. It's right here, free with ads. Okay, well, that's cool, because I was putting off watching it for a long time. No, you should watch it. Um, but it is... Uh, that guy has, like, a personality, so you got to be 
uh, okay with him. Yeah. Um, he's very himself. I don't know how to describe him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can see him on the poster. Look, yeah, you You know know all you need to know. Yeah. Uh, but it is interesting. This show, you know, and they talk about this in that documentary that this show was ahead of its time in a lot of ways. It had a lot of things that are more common with culture now than culture at the time, Mm -hmm. which was what Star Uh, Trek always aspired to do. True. Yep. Um, and, to a fault, yeah, the, almost. You know, with the they talk about. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't want to interrupt you because you you know about this and you want to keep going. But to a fault, um, one of the things Gene Roddenberry did was was tell you that things were were different in the future, but then plaster over the the rough edges of that. And this episode specifically says, yeah, a lot of things are better, and yeah, the acceptance of culture and race on Earth is is what it is. But like the human nature says that we still have this competitive side that gets irked by the other, right? Like, it, Vulcans well, and, and humans and, aren't getting along as well as sometimes it looks like they are because Spock is Spock. Sure. Uh, so go back to what you're saying, sorry. And he, they make this point in the documentary that, like, it was ahead of its time in a lot of ways. It was starring an African-American man as a leading, the, the leading actor, right? That was ahead yeah. of its time, sadly, uh, in Hollywood. Still is kind of a rarity. Um, it had, uh, women of color. It had, uh, people who are of non-binary people, non-determinate gender in some cases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it also in a few instances had people whose sexuality wasn't like all the way determined. Um, I think even the, uh, they're, they're kind of like going down the list of things that they did that was ahead of their time. And the director is kind of like, eh, I don't know that we get the check mark for the the sexuality one. We only had it in like a couple episodes. And like, why didn't we just say that Garrick was gay in the first ep- first season? And then we could have had a whole bunch more like interesting storylines with that. But we never did. Right. I think the caution was there. Right. Yeah. Look, and they talk extensively about it, that the show was uh, not liked by the uh executive producers that were above him i guess right the like other the other star trek caretakers who really wanted voyager to be the show yes and they really they had like you know when they started serializing the show the the people were like unbelievably mad like how could you do this that you're like ruining star trek and yada yada and you know the so they then wanted to push in other ways, right? And so they just sort of they ended up with a lot of clashes with the studio. Oh, uh, I know for uh, I know for a fact people, people so. at the studio were saying things like, you know, you can't make this interesting. You know, like it, you're on a space station. There's nothing that you can do to yeah, make this interesting. It's right. Like, it, there's there's no way to have a good show on this space station, which and is part like, of the reason they developed the Defiant. <laughs> And that was a big, a con- uh, big controversy too. They talk about it in the documentary that, like, oh well, like so I know co- commanders are in charge of space stations and captains are in charge of ships, but Cisco is both, and we think it's f- okay for him to be a captain and still be in charge of the space station. This is what the show is. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, people got mad about that. People at the um the studio were not happy with that decision so it's a whole thing and anyway it's a very interesting uh documentary people should watch if they are 
interested in the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. This um, one, uh, and, speaking of behind the scenes, this episode, by the way, written by Ronald Moore, famously the developer of the remake of Battlestar Galactica. Oh. Yeah. Uh, uh, they do interview a ton of the writers of these, not of these, of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Ron Moore is in to- there and a bunch yep. of others. Uh, they put together a, like, throughout the, uh, what do you call it? Throughout the documentary, they are, they have the writer's room sort of interspersed, and they are... Archival footage? Uh, no, they, they this is new footage. Okay. And they, they are putting together a opening episode of a theoretical season eight. Oh, interesting. And s- setting up, like, here's a plot line of what could happen in a theoretical season eight of this and how we see how the characters have gotten on in ensuing yeah. time. Um, so it, Worf would it, have to I, leave I the station before that, according well, to I new won't, continuity. I won't spoil anything about what happens in it, um, but it is interesting. Uh, if you are a fan of this series, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, you should watch this. It, you'd need to be a sizable fan of it, I guess I'll say. If you just think that it's okay or you kind of like it, this isn't a documentary for you. But if you do like it quite a bit, this is a good wow. watch. I wish it, I had known. I, I had been waiting to find out where it would stream, and I was already streaming. <laughs> I didn't know either. I just was uh, poking around on YouTube one day and was real bored, and I was like, oh, what is this? Oh, hey, huh, it's free. Yeah. Hey, well, okay, I, sure, yeah. I can watch some ads. I, I had followed it uh, through development, because I think it was like an Indiegogo or something. Yeah, I want to say it was kickstarted somehow, whether yeah. that was you know one of those crowdfunded things. And they, I think they, have the, or they had the record for like one of the biggest ones of those, but... Um, yeah, people love this show. People, however, sometimes do not love this episode. Uh, it's very divisive. So we're talking about, I think we talked about it on two podcasts. We're going to talk about Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite, Season 4, Episode 2. Is season 7, partic- Episode 4. I got it backwards. Yeah, se- <laughs> seasons, yeah, Season 7, Episode 4. Is this particular episode divisive, really? Um, It's divisive in so much as... There are people that think it is good, and there are people that think it is just filler. And like, it's not bad, but it's just filler. Yeah, I mean, it is. If you, uh, I guess, it comes down in where you fall on the like Star Trek timeline or the Star Trek like uh, fandom. If you liked the serialized thing they are doing in Deep Space Nine, this episode is filler. Because yeah. it is not relevant to the overall plot. However, if you just like good Star Trek, this is good Star Trek. I also think it's it's one of the few. F- this is why I was going to say, in defense of filler, it's one of the very few filler episodes um, with deep character development. It's one of the ones that really most Star Treks, especially Discovery, could learn from in saying. Hey, we're going to take an episode off from our serialized nature, which is Discovery's bag, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes they do. And uh, and usually with the Discovery, it's kind of like really miss on these types of things. They don't, they don't seem to have a point in their filler, usually. Yeah. Um, and this one has a simple lesson and deeper lessons, right? And like the simple lessons are always easy to see and understand and and like that's kind of it right you could just move on from this one and be like that was good because you know cisco learned you know (laughs) it's like sure done um 
but I mean, I went back and I read a bunch of stuff, reviews of this at from at the time because blogs be, were a thing then. Oh yeah, okay. Because um, this was near the end of the run, so yeah, I suppose the yeah. internet was more. So developed. like by ninety eight, people had like their I don't even know what websites were blogging at that point, but like they had their little blogs about like well, what happened in this one. Well, it's filler. It's cool that it lined up with the ninety eight World Series. Um, I did not know that. Oh yeah, so this came out the same weekend as the World Series was going on that year, which was an accident, okay. according to the trivia that I read. No, what? I can't believe that that's an accident. They they knew it would come out around then, but the the lineup of oh the that exact it actually weekend, lined up with the weekend. It was yeah. Okay, they knew okay. it would come out within week or two of it, but like then it finally came down to it, and they're like, "Oh, look at that!" Yeah, it's like they they were trying to get it out on around the World sure, Series. Sure, getting yeah. it right on the nose is lucky, but the rest yeah. of it is right. You know, sometimes things don't happen the way they happen. Um, shows yeah. end up out of order or whatever, which is why they do filler episodes once in a while. Um, mm-hmm. um, I think we just go through the plot is so simple. We just can just nail it real quick, and uh, and then talk about it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, you want to take us through it? Sure. So, uh, we open on Cisco in his office, and a Vulcan captain comes in. Solak. Yeah, you know, you get one of those pings of like, hey, Captain so-and-so is here to see you. Cisco has a look on his face, and then the guy comes in. <laughs> uh, and the they have an exchange, which boils down to, like, my ship is here. Uh, I need some repairs. Cisco's like, great, this is how long it'll take. And then immediately the Vulcan guy starts giving him lip for being, oh, this is a human space station, and these humans aren't very good at things yes. like this. It's really yeah, the, uh, clear that you humans are bad. And slow. The, uh, the animosity in the lines is well delivered between these two. Yeah. It takes you back yeah. to like the early days of having Cardassians on the station, you know, and like he is mm-hmm. Cisco is clearly irked the minute the guy walks in. I you could just see it on his face. He's like just steel eyed, like tense instantly. Yeah. yeah. Um and Solok is for someone from either very early Star Trek who watched Spock or from late Star Trek who only watched, you know, like reboots or modern stuff, you'd get the the feeling that this guy is not very Vulcan because he's like clearly judgmental and somewhat haughty and acrimonious. But uh, this is kind of how Vulcans were written other than Spock. And so it's kind of like a good reminder of what the relationships are like. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Solak uh, mentions that he's created a, a hollow suite program. He's like, Oh, I require the use of a hollow suite. (laughs) Uh, and it's like, he's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Talk to Cork that he's the guy. And he's like, Oh, you know, it is based on an earth game. You might be interested in, it is called baseball and what a coincidence, then, you know, and then, you know, that's immediately the, the commercial cut right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for by this point in the show at season seven, baseball is Cisco's thing. 
Cisco likes baseball a lot. Baseball, They've talked about baseball a lot on this show already. Baseball this is point. is DS9's thing. He has used baseball to advance plots in the story now by now, right? Like Yeah, multiple times. Um so they talk Kate, uh, we could we could dump some trivia here and they talk about like the creator, the developer of this uh, was really into baseball and like put this show together. I think his name was Miller. Put this show together at baseball games with some of the head writers. Uh, mm-hmm. in terms of like developing it. So it was always going to be an allegory, right? This entire thing. Um, sure. And uh, so it's, it's weird to get to season seven before, before us like a full on, cause we've seen like Cisco and Jake practicing baseball before, but uh, like, and they like mentioned that even in this episode that like, Oh, they practice Cisco and Jake practice baseball a lot together. It brought them closer as a family, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's weird to get to season seven before there's a finally like a full on hollow deck game of baseball. And that, Cisco mentions that he's shown baseball to people before, but mm-hmm. I don't recall it being a focal point really uh, before season seven. I don't know. It could be. It yeah, could be, and I, I just don't remember. I don't know. Also, you got to remember that uh, the budgets are always a thing on these shows, and a base a full baseball game it you know requires a whole cast of extras right which is why they get rid of the the extras for most of the baseball game of course i was going to mention that when we got there um but yeah you know so uh before we jump before we jump ahead this is the moment that i want to talk about so Locke talks about his team for the baseball thing he says they have an all vulcan crew on a starfleet vessel yeah this is not the first time apparently i looked this up uh, if it was the only time. And apparently in the original series, there was also another crew of of a ship that was all Vulcan. Hmm. I'm confused by that because I thought Spock was like, oh my God, Spock joined Starfleet and no one else would have. But isn't this kind of the antithesis of what Starfleet is to allow an entire Vulcan ship? Like, why wouldn't they just have a Vulcan ship and be on a Vulcan ship? That's weird to me. Why are they not a Vulcan crew? Why is it a Starfleet crew? You mean? Right, exactly. Uh, the only the only I thing know, I man. could think of is like maybe during Vulcan wartime or something. Or, uh, s- s- well, certainly during wartime, right? It's just like I don't know who do you want on your ship, man. Let's just get it out there. Yeah, but Solok um, went to the Starfleet Academy, so it's yeah. confusing. It seems well. The, the cap. They're just asking the captain, "Hey, who do you want on your ship?" Just like here's. Here's a list of 8,000 recruits. Just take enough to get on, you know, to get going. And then he just picks every Vulcan, right? Yeah, it's strange. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's a... The whole... We can talk about it more later because it is sort of a focal point of the episode. But, like, is Solok racist? Yeah. Like, yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah. Supposedly. So, yeah. You know, it's a... uh, Interesting. Like, yeah. Why would Starfleet allow that, right, if they're supposedly uh, yeah. a, so much better? So we get to the ward room. Uh, the, the, so many good lines in this episode that are used elsewhere yeah. to great effect. Yeah. Uh, you know, Cisco's talking about, oh, I've accepted on your behalf to this challenge of heart and strength and <laughs> courage and like, all these things. Warf, and we will crush them. them. 
No, we will destroy them. We will destroy them. That's right. Uh, as, as Julian is like, when will this clash of titans take place? Uh, and uh, Six goes like, yeah, uh, we're playing baseball. Here you go. Here are the rules. All right. See you guys tomorrow for practice. He's so happy. Like, he he goes from that that scene. It's it's really like brings to mind like whether what Cisco's personality is like, which is this deep, deep well of anger and very high highs. It's almost like a bipolar situation with him sometimes. And so like mm-hmm. the animosity as in that opening scene and describing Solok and the challenge and how he thinks the Vulcans think of themselves and all this stuff. And then they're like, what is the game? And he's like, baseball. And he gets all happy and throws the baseball up in the air. <laughs> You're yep. like, whoa, 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 your attitude here. Hold on. The 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 several ensuing scenes of the various senior staff reading the rules and trying to understand baseball terminology oh, is yeah. hilarious. Uh, you know, hold on. I want to say two things about that. One, it is really funny that they are trying to read the infield fly rule and understand what a bunt is from a piece of paper. Yeah, it's it, it, they're like looking at the looking at the data pad and being like, all right. Yeah, section 25 paragraph 4 infield fly rule yeah if the batter does so hit the ball yeah. that, it's just Look, like it's no just funny because do that that's not just, how you explain rules no, and like you're they're gonna play one baseball game you don't need to know the infield fly rule right like yeah yeah they, they're it, not good they're not gonna be good enough to know that they shouldn't hit an infield they're just gonna happen it's gonna happen and so like it's funny that they're reading a rule that they don't really need to know, but it's also funny because the infield fly rule isn't actually that hard. If there's one base or no bases open, then if you hit a fly in the infield, you're out. Like, that's it. Describe. Yes. Done. But yes, they go but the roundabout they, way of being like, if but first they, don't know, but they also don't know what a fly is. Yeah. yeah. Or a base. <laughs> or, you know, like at one point, uh, O'Brien, maybe it's later in the episode, goes like, which one is third base? Oh, that's <laughs> like, when he hurts his arm and he's like being, oh, yeah, he's the, being the, made base coach. And he's like, which one's first that's base? A little, that's a little later. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then they get into like the weird terminology. Baseball has a lot of weird terminology. It's just like every sport has its jargon. But baseball, because it has such a history and is such an old sport, has so many weird terms. Sure. Uh, um, Which is fun. I, I enjoyed some of it. Uh, uh, anyway, th- they all learn the rules and they go for tryouts tryouts um, quote unquote they don't literally literally until uh rom and lita decide rom- to join the team they don't have enough people right yeah of course <laughs> and you notice you know they have 10 which is exactly the amount that the plot needs <laughs> yes exactly and look also like you know the uh you got to consider that i think this is every cast member or close to it right well, like all of the Odo- like, semi semi-recurring ones yeah you don't have garrick at this point because he's not around uh right no garrick uh gosh i'm trying to think of anyone they would have left out i mean garrick is the is the only semi-recurring member who's just like you know it's not like they get any of the cardassians here right because they're all yeah uh not available due to war (laughs) i guess they could have brought in like more of the like general martok Klingon guys or any of their like recurring holodeck characters or something, but yeah, yeah, no, I think it, you're right. You know, you get the most of the humans on the space station and, and aliens as well, right? Yeah, I mean, you could get into like side characters or whatever, but no, this is kind of it. I mean, to some degree, Lita and Rom are those side characters. That's a good point. That's a um, good point. 
Uh, and um, and what's her name? The um, what's her? Uh, oh, Cass- Cisco's love interest, Cassidy. Yeah, yeah. Cassidy. Yeah, she's not. Yeah. I mean, by the end, by mid season seven, they're married. I think so. Yeah, so it, not- like his love interest or whatever yeah. she is at this point. She's um, yeah, they're pretty close to being married at this point. I think um, Cisco does the tryouts, but he gives a great. I don't know if it's a great speech, but he gives a great character insight in his speech because you get pretty much like his his entire character pops out here, like the underneath boil, right? Like he's a very he tries to be a stoic captain sometimes, a lot of times, but the boil underneath of him is is like bravado, smile. He's got like a faith preacher kind of deal to him and he talks about faith mm-hmm. and heart and uh and all that and you can see the like you can see the avery brooks trying you know the the yeah, yeah, dramatic yeah, actor sure. leaking out i i also think in this speech he's like you know the you know we, we have the heart we can win and even though vulcans are stronger than us and all this other stuff except for Worf and the genetically engineered doctor yeah <laughs> I'd forgotten that he uh, that that was like common knowledge at that point. It it was by this point, right? Yeah. Like I think yeah. whichever episode it was, they kind of like that that got unveiled that he was uh, genetically engineered. I like that even in after legal way, even yeah, illegally, right? I like that after he's uh, outed as genetically engineered, he still doesn't really try that hard in this episode. <laughs> just yeah. lets lets a fly he ball drop a- on the ground. He never does anything that's like outrageous, and like the only time you see something cool happen, it's Dax doing it, not him. <laughs> right? Yeah, you're like, wait a minute, aren't you? Okay, whatever. I read. Uh, I'll talk about it at the end. I read, I read a lot of articles about this, and it talks about like which players and stuff like that. Uh, you would expect uh, stuff from. Okay, so, so the, the, whole, the, the whole team ends up injured, right? Because they they're bad. Yeah. Uh, and O'Brien tears his rotator cuff, which like baseball never changes, man. <laughs> it's the same same injuries. Someone, someone ends up injured. Uh-huh. It's the same injuries in the year four thousand as it is this year. You know, yeah. um, it's funny that they can't quote unquote. It's got to have time to heal. It's like, wait, what? Why he re- he repaired it, but the ligaments, man, the yeah, ligaments, the ligaments. And this is where Cisco uh, uh, picks up. Doing something I can't remember him doing otherwise. It's very pronounced in this episode, but he picks up chewing a toothpick. Yeah, for the rest uh, he of the does episode. it. In, I think that he does it in this episode because it l- makes him look more like a baseball guy. It also makes him look. People who chew toothpicks as aggressively as he's chewing a toothpick. Uh, oh yeah, are are dealing with uh, stress and also usually have a chewing tobacco habit, right? They have some sort of other stress reducing or outward uh, tick. It's it's like an outward tick, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. almost like smoking or something else like that. Chewing a toothpick this kind of way, where it's just always in the mouth, always moving is a, it's a, it's a sign and they're obviously using it to show you that like he's not coping <laughs> with with the stress yeah. of trying to pull this off. You know, he said he said earlier in the episode that he's not going to lose. It's like, buddy, what do you expect from these people? I mean, it's you know, like yeah, it, they're all in the infirmary maybe, after one practice. Maybe this team 
pulls it out, uh, you know, what is the uh, Bad News Bears styles or whatever. Like, I saw I a lot. I'm, I already wrote, I already wrote this down. Uh, I saw a lot of comparisons. I'll just talk about it now. Uh, to Buttermaker from Bad News Bears in this. Mm. I don't see Ben Sisko as a Buttermaker character. Buttermaker is, you know, I think kind of a drunk He's completely yeah, he is initially the first inebriated one. at first. He has no interest in his team winning. Uh, he gets overly competitive towards the end, which is where the Buttermaker thing comes in. And obviously, the bad news bears, you know, oh hey, nobody's having fun, so we have to we have to remember that baseball is about fun. That lesson is here. Yeah, um, I, I assume that's what they meant in having the comparison because you're right. I don't think Cisco as a character fits with the comparison to that guy at yeah, all. Really. I don't. I don't <laughs> Buttermaker's character doesn't have the depth of a Cisco. He's you know, he's developed in an hour and a half movie and his right. motivations are well, depending on which version you watch, you know, not and also like not altruistic he has to, movies. Yeah. He has to be there no matter which version you watch. He he doesn't have a choice in being there. Right. Right. Yeah. Cisco could have think... declined. Yeah, this. he could have just said Piss off, dude. I got other stuff to do. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah, done you it. know, you're, uh, you're always treating me bad. I have no interest in playing a baseball game with you. That's the answer. Oh, yeah, it, certainly it is. And yeah. I think they, you know, uh, but uh, you, you, anyway, we'll, butter, we'll but a butter maker character is not able to say that is what my point. No, is you, be. right. Because he's it's court mandated or something in that. Uh, okay. So, movie, so the next right? thing anyway. is the thing I wanted to know if you I caught want- it the first time. Oh, Okay. Uh, so, uh, he needs another player, right? Oh, so, right. Because he says Rom is out, right? Like, oh, he's like, uh, no, Rom, Rom hasn't been kicked out yet. Kicked out yet? I don't, oh, no, he still yeah. needs Rom. Rom has, no, he, he needs another character because commit- O'Brien's injured. He needs another player. Oh, right. Because O'Brien's injured. Okay. He says, I think I can pull a few strings. Yeah. Yeah. I caught I, this. I thought he meant, I'm going to have to convince Cassidy. No, I'm pretty I, sure he on, arranged for Cassidy. Yes, so to on be the second watch the through, I finally understood. Like, oh, he had all of her her cargo missions reassigned. Yes, so that she would be stranded on the station with him and have time to play. He literally got her fired from jobs. Yeah, like how she makes a living. I mean, it's. It's funny that they never reckon with that because I would think she would be pissed. I would think he would have to fess up to it at some point. That's so my point. Is like, why is she not mad about this? She's just like, oh, you know, bureaucrats, ha ha. And they kind of just play it off like that. But they, I don't know. It, if she found out he was the one who did all that, wouldn't she be livid? I think so, yes. I don't know how you keep that from somebody for that long. But maybe after they're married, he says, so that one time... And she's like, well, it worked out because we had a good time in the baseball game, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't catch that the first watch through, and I caught it the second. I did, yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, He's like, oh, I'm going to pull a few strings and then, like, walks away. And well, he was chewing that showing up with stick so hard, I was distracted. <laughs> anyway. All right. Focusing too much on the stick. Uh, then uh, we get to the practice where Cassidy shows up, and you're like, oh, she's really good. And then Rom. Yeah, Rom is not good. Uh, and you know, he, he's like, how many is this? Uh, is it today? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so Cisco says you're out, you're not on the team. Uh, 
And then the rest of the crew is like, we should go on strike to keep Rom on the team. And I was like, yes, good job. Do it, guys. <laughs> go on strike. Tell Cisco to eat it. And then Rom's like, no, guys, don't go, don't go on strike for me. It's, a, it's okay. It's, it's, it's fine. You don't need to. Don't make a wave. Well, he didn't want he didn't want Damn the it. team to fall apart over over the fact that he couldn't play. I mean, it was very obvious that he couldn't play, which is very yeah. funny. Did you read the trivia on this episode? Uh, no. Okay, uh, we'll interrupt here. It's really funny that Rom cannot play. Did you notice how he put his glove on his hand backwards on the wrong hand? No. Okay, so his glove is a left-handed glove backwards on his right hand. He's holding it like with his fingers in the like he's not even using the thumb hole and stuff like that. So the actor, uh, I wrote his name down because I thought it would be nice. Max Grodenchik. Okay. Was a professional semi-professional baseball player. What? He like he played like minor league. Like ball literally went to the point in his career that he's like either I have to go to play professional baseball or pursue acting, and he chose acting. Wow. And so, so he, he must have been, like, good in college and stuff too. They huh? tried to have him pretend to be bad, and he couldn't do it. So they had to figure out a way for him to be bad. So they took his glove, put it on the other hand, and made him throw with his off hand and bat backwards. Oh, so that's why he looked so awkward when he was at the plate because he was batting, batting left backwards. or right-handed, whichever he's, it was. That right, he's batting to. left-handed, and he's a righty. Okay. And they made him throw left-handed, and they put his glove on the wrong hand so that he just couldn't catch the ball. I mean, <laughs> because that's he literally, how you do it, right? They literally said the director you was couldn't doing, pretend to be bad. He right? could like, not yeah. pre- pretend hard enough to be bad. It's. A, I bet that that's a hard problem because if you, you know, it, like, um, and it is the throwing a ball is such a like in board like once you learn how to throw a ball, right? Yeah. Like you kind of just know how to throw them, yeah, and you can't like fake not knowing that because yeah. it, it's an it's an uncoordination thing and you can't decoordinate yourself without like conscious effort and thought they had a lot of and, that problem apparently in, in this episode um because avery brooks is a really good baseball player um oh is he okay. yeah i didn't know that either. he just loves he also loved baseball which is part of the reason he got the job and uh jake uh Sirach, his his uncle i think is kenny lofton okay <laughs> so he, he also loved it and so they had to like a lot of them had to it was okay because jake was allowed to be good jake and cisco were allowed to be they were allowed yeah, to be good jake but and a, the captain were allowed apparently to be like good, four but... or five others also loved baseball and they were all kind of good at it and they had to pretend to be bad yeah uh, I, uh iceberg who plays nog was uh almost professional player too i guess and wow yeah and who knew yeah uh yeah crazy right it's really funny. Anyway, very, sorry. Very funny. It's funny no, to mean, mention now because we're talking about Rom getting thrown off the team for being bad, and you're like, actually, most of these people the were player. decent at baseball. Uh, the funny part is that like Rom maybe actually the actor was maybe the best baseball player of all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty good. That's very funny. Uh, so anyway, you know, Rom's not on the team, uh, and this is where we get the get- confirmation that Cisco has lost sight of his love of baseball over what is eating him up about Solok, right? Yeah. And then, you know, the next scene after that is, uh, Cassidy finally presses him on like, all right, you're going to tell me the story. Come on. And, uh, and we finally get the story about what happened. Uh, and it is just the dumbest possible thing. Like the pettiest, 
silliest little thing. Oh, you missed. Hold forward. on, we missed. We missed an important story beat here. Okay. O'Brien synthesizes scotch flavored gum. <laughs> uh, that's right. He does. I did forget that. It, it's part of the. Um, you can. It's part of a training montage that happens before this this Cisco thing, and that's the reason I mentioned it. It's part of a, a montage of people around the station are getting caught up in the baseball, mm-hmm. right? And they're not worried about what Cisco's doing, right? So like, people are talking about what what to do. You know, they're oh, if I throw it to second, uh, you know, how do I get the double play? How do I do this? How do I do that? And they're talking about gum. They're talking about... And so, like, the other people around Cisco are enjoying themselves immensely. Um, and doing things like synthesizing scotch-flavored gum. Um, so, it it helps the coming monologue you're going to talk about. The, mono, the monologue, by the way, being the best part of this episode. Yeah. Uh, and so... Cisco finally tells the story and it is just the pettiest, dumbest thing. It's like Cisco was at a bar off campus in drunk. Yeah. He had some drinks in him, as he said. <laughs> I love I love uh everyone's backstory in Starfleet being, yeah, I messed up at a bar. Picard almost dies getting stabbed in the heart at a bar. At a bar. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh and he's at a bar and this Vulcan guy comes in. I, I, unclear to me why the Vulcan guy even comes to this bar. To all. antagonize them. He's he it's very clear he's just there to antagonize them, right? Yeah. It's just like what is yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The, 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 why does he even care, right? Uh, that's uh, the big question that I don't understand. They don't answer it. Uh, so yeah, you're right to wonder because I also wonder like why does the Vulcan guy care if he knows that his all Vulcan crew is so much better? Why is he bothering with any of these humans? Right. Um. Anyway, this, so the story is Cisco is kind of is drunk in this bar. This Vulcan guy comes in and starts arguing about how humans are all emotions and they don't have any logic and Vulcans are so superior. Yada yada yada. And Cisco uh is drunk and argues with him. And then eventually challenges him to a wrestling match. <laughs> yes. Uh, not not out of the ordinary. Cisco is a champion wrestler. Yes. Uh, however. However, someone every- that is three times stronger than you, you can't wrestle. Right. Uh, we brought this up before. Vulcans are stronger and faster than humans. Uh, and so a wrestling match against a person who is just biologically stronger than you. Uh, like, I mean, magnitudes, go well. right? Like, there's no chance of, like, oh, well, he's got more reach than, you know, like, when you talk about boxing right. or whatever, it's like, well, he's got five pounds on him, but this guy's got more reach. And so, like, you can talk about trade-offs and advantages. It's just, like, there's no trade-offs or advantages or... A Vulcan is three times faster and, and stronger, stronger than and, any human, right? Yeah. Like, so... Like, <laughs> you have no chance. A Vulcan that. child could beat you, probably. Yes. Uh, so, this is bad. Uh, and so Cisco loses handily, and I forget he lists the injuries. It was like two cracked ribs, a bruised this, and all this other stuff, yeah. separated shoulder. And like the look on Cassidy's face when he says that is like she's just cracking up, dude. Yeah, <laughs> so good, Cassidy. So good. She's uh, like, you, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what did you think was gonna happen? <laughs> he's uh, like, I don't and- know, I was drunk. 
uh, and he's like, I wanted to wipe that smile off his face. And that is the thing. He's like, I, and then, so, okay. Cisco does something dumb because he was drunk at a bar. Yeah. Whatever. Right. Right. And then apparently Solak goes and writes a research paper about it. Not one, not two, not four, multiple, 12. And every paper he then starts from thereafter for the next 20 years or something involves a recounting of this episode at a bar at the bar. Yeah. I don't know why Cisco is reading them. <laughs> I don't know why Cisco is reading them, but I also don't know why like anyone is reading them. Yeah, exactly. Like who cares? Like dude? what is it's the like, point that you're making over and over again? This? What, what, see, this is the thing I don't get about Solok's character and something that they actually talk about when um, they've done some interviews about this episode I read about. Um, is Solok is not a developed character. He's no. he's a he's an antagonist and only an antagonist. You can tell because he's not in three quarters of the episode, right? Or he's, or more even, yeah. Yeah, he's he's there to antagonize only and be the butt of a joke at the end. And so, like, they talk about Ron Moore talks about like it. This story didn't come together right at the end of it. Whose story do you think it is? Right? Like, it's mm-hmm. almost Rom's story, not Cisco's. Yep. Right? Uh, because Rom has the triumph at the end. Right. right. So, that was a, a, a trick of editing, because when they, when they put this together, they got to the end and they were like, this is a strange story, because one of the characters isn't even in it. Solok's not in it. And, like, you get mm-hmm. to the end and you're like, what is this guy's motivation? What is Solok's motivation? And here we're talking about it right here is, like, well, you what, know, like it, what's the you point? You don't know. Like, they never say. Right. You know, and, and maybe and that was a, something that was cut out or whatever. No, no, it's not. So that's that's what they're talking about in this interview. It's it's a mistake. They they get to oh, the okay. end they, and, they, and they it, just never got it, it. It just wasn't in there. They couldn't they couldn't put it in there. They had to edit around the fact that they had they had written this. And it came together all right, but by the time they saw the rough cut, it was like something is missing here. And the something that's missing uh, is what? We what does Solok want? Why is he there? Who cares? Yeah, yeah exactly. Because like, and again, you know, we even talked about it even at the very start. It's like, why is Solok doing this? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Like and, what axe is he grinding here, man? Like, and so with and a little much grinding an axe. Yes, with a little bit of reshooting and a little bit of adding Rudy into it and a little bit of focusing more on Cisco's story, they're able to really, I mean, change this episode from being probably bad into something that is still salvaged and good and and is a multiple character story. Um, mm-hmm. But Solok is definitely his motivation is. If I had to. Uh, say that there's part of this that isn't good, which is fair. You know, a lot of people don't like yeah. it in, in general, but um, it's fair to say that this... The motivation for the main... The motivation the for antagonist one antagonist is bad. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't exist, right? It's right. not explained. It's it's just uh, it's a flat, just, oh, he he's just a bad guy. You know, it's like, well, he's a, he's a Vulcan. He has to have a reason to be doing this. Even if it mm. is something that you could betray by being illogical or whatever else right you know mm-hmm. um it's definitely a failing of this episode to be fair to it and i think the i think it is fair to say that the the heart of the story that they're trying to tell right is cisco learning that you know being all caught up in all this and then trying to have that moment where like actually it is just about having fun yeah. and that's supposed to be the but, like the climax of the of the mo- of the show 
but really the climax of the show is Rom getting the sacrifice bunt. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so, well, what you have here is, uh, is the end of the speech first where he, he has another Picard moment after having a fight in a bar. Um, uh, he has his, uh, his first contact moment where he finally breaks down into, you know, Solok's attacking me. This is my game, my oh, game. Oh yeah. And he goes, he's and you're pl- like, once now he wants to play my game. And you're like, buddy, baseball is everyone's game. And that's the point. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the, <laughs> of all literary instances of baseball, every story about it is the fact that it is everyone's game, not your game. Mm-hmm. And that's the point of this story, right? Like Cisco makes it his game when really it's everyone's game. The team's game, Rom's game. Kira's game, everybody else right. that's having fun playing with him, Jake's game, right? It's not yeah, his absolutely. game, it's Jake, it's his and Jake's game. And so he's already in this speech given you every piece of the story. He's given you the right. animosity, he's given you that and he's he's already highlighted his failure. I love this scene. I love that yeah. he's wearing his pants up to his chest. I love <laughs> I love Cassidy's face. I love the speech. I love the ending. My game so it, good it is a good scene and the it's it is when you can tell that the cisco has become his own villain here right right yeah he, like he is finally you know he's you thought he was probably a little going a little too far earlier we're throwing rom out and and not you know willing to you know making the team kill each other in practice or whatever cork <laughs> split his head open like cork, cork no rom split cork's head open with a bat and then also right, broke Worf's nose also, I want to know how Rom did that. That's like a that has to be like a uh uh three stooges kind of situation yeah, going on there. It's too bad we didn't get to see it. Um Yeah, so I mean like, you know, uh the the d- faded day of the game finally arrives. Mm-hmm. Uh they are out there, you know, the holographic uh they recruit Odo as the umpire. Um yeah. Which I thought was like a, a great way to bring Odo into the episode because otherwise he would really have no reason to be there. Uh, also, of course, who is the only impartial person on the station? It's always Odo. Uh, the, 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 so back in the montage scene, when Kiro walks by Odo's office and sees him practicing is a great scene also, by the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a cute little part of the montage for sure. Uh, uh, who hasn't, you know practiced in the mirror for something you know what i mean yeah exactly yeah it's exactly what it is it's uh-huh. perfect uh, uh right off the bat we get that cisco doesn't get it uh when they i mean they do this for this for the continuity they do it for the cost but they eliminate yeah, the spectators right and, um, and for sure uh you know like even the first time i i watched this i was like oh they did this to cut costs because <laughs> they can't no afford kidding. to have a a like a full stadium of spectators for 50 shots or whatever. Um, but yeah, like, you know, it was a, it's also, uh, I mean, they, it's a good move if you're directing over multiple days to try and reduce errors. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. and having a crowd in the background of every is scene is just a nightmare. Guaranteed continuity error. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's good. It's good to do that kind of thing. Uh, and it also, they, they tie it in nicely to the fact that like Cisco does, doesn't get it. Like the crowd, the crowd is there, right? Like let it happen, mm-hmm. you know? 
Well, I, but also, you know, like it also does play up the fact that like they're they're young, they've barely played, they're nervous, oh. and people get nervous in front of crowds and stuff. I find that I found that normal. You know, his his justification for getting rid of them was like, oh, okay, I could believe this. They're a holographic also, crowd, though. It's not like, yeah, you know what I mean. It's not like they're playing yeah. in front of anybody for for real. Yeah. It's just noise. Um, yeah. And the game uh, goes obviously the way it goes, yeah. uh, which I think I, I want to point out at the beginning, like Cisco's like, we need to get that chatter going, guys, and they're all like, <laughs> all right, come on, team, let's go. Worth goes death to the opposition. <laughs> <laughs> okay because Worf has one let's talk about Worf after he has his last great line in the dugout Uh, because I have a question about (laughs) Mr. Dorn at the end of it okay Uh, and the game goes bad as you would expect dude like it goes bad from the first they score seven in the first I think and there are more yeah or four it doesn't matter what they score but you get the feeling right off the bat it's like this is going the way it should in if you're picking a bracket, you know what I mean? Like this mm-hmm. was a, yeah. this was a 95% easy first seed. Yeah. It's the easy first seed versus 12 seed. You know, yeah. what's going to happen here. Right. Exactly. And, and Cisco never, it never entered Cisco's mind that that's the way that it was, but it, it I mean, we all knew, right? Like, yeah, there was no chance that this was going to be the thing. And so they tell you right off the bat, they're going to lose this game. Mm-hmm. they're gonna lose jake is a great pitcher he can't get it over the plate without them smacking a home run on the first pitch of the game right yeah um so the game becomes about cisco's ability to accept loss mm-hmm. right like he already knows the game is over and that's when we start to actually realize that this episode is not filler entirely this episode is going to prepare you for the fact that they're going to win the Dominion War, but they're going to lose also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> that's it's it's going to take a lot for people to realize that. I think it's it's not an episode only about only about this episode. It's not an episode only about the the stoic idea that. Oh well, you know you have to accept the things that are out of your control, and this game is out of his control, right? Like, there's no, there was never a chance he was going to win, and so, you know, you need to live with the reality and enjoy the reality that you're in, uh, which he's not obviously doing. But they're going to lose. He needs yeah. to know that up front, and as a captain, he should be able to find a way for them to win, even if they're going to lose. You know. Save your crew if you're going to lose the battle. Well, how do you save your crew in this situation, right? Right, right. Uh, Before we get to the, I mean, you know, we could sort of fast forward to the important moments of the game. But there are a couple things like during the game I want to talk about. Oh, of course. Yeah. The takeout Uh, slide. (laughs) uh, Yep. I was going to say, wow, baseball sure hasn't changed much. Uh, That move was not illegal at the time of this episode, but it is now. You cannot take out slide anymore. Uh, but it didn't change that r- until recently, right? Like, wasn't it only the last like five years or something that that I got wanna banned? S- I want to say five years ago, yeah. So, like, <laughs> this is a uh, you know this this episode is what like almost twenty years old. Uh, twenty eighteen, so less, a decade, a thirteen years. So okay, uh, 
baseball sure doesn't change too much. <laughs> I mean, like it is a, you know, it, it, there are still conversations in baseball games, current media about people doing slides that are illegal. Sure. Right. And yeah. like knocking people over and, you know, stuff that is not allowed. Um, yeah, there's like, you know, slide, you know, the guy sliding with his cleats up, the guy, yeah. you know, playing dirty and that stuff is a common topic in baseball all the time. Sure. It is impressive how, uh, you know, just by playing a game and yet you said, as you mentioned, the rules had changed, right? Like this is, yeah, they didn't know that at the time anymore. it was still, legal. Course, how could they know? Right. Like, but even so it still feels modern because this is still something that you talk about with regards to baseball. Like, well, oh, that finally, was a dirty slide. Sure. Like, but people say that it finally gives you in to, it gives you insight into Solok. Finally, is that he told his team they're going to win, right? Like, Mm-hmm. There's no reason that they have. Yeah, to, why would you to, do a takeout to, slide? To like takeout slide Kira in the middle of a game up, that they're up nine to zero. You yeah, know, I say mean? they're up nine zero. There's no reason to like knock Kira over. There's no point there. Right? They know they're going to win the game. They could win the game, you know, by literally just playing, just and not even just trying themselves out, not care. Yeah. Yeah. Um. They could. They could not score again the rest of the game and just play defense, and that's it. Right. So. It gives you an idea that Solok also does not possess the capacity to move past only seeing the victory. Oh, yeah. He, like, absolutely has to humiliate. Like, he wants to humiliate Cisco. That's what he wants to do. Right, right. Really. Which is, you know, his visible frustration at the end of the episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, also, the... Uh, the batter step Worf the batter steps out of the box and <laughs> takes forever. That's also something that happens in modern baseball a lot. And is not rush me. Also a constant where uh, <laughs> the umpire is like, we're waiting. That's <laughs> uh, another thing that like, again, baseball doesn't change. It literally is the same. These are the same problems with baseball games today. Yeah. <laughs> like that make the game take forever that people don't like. And it's a common topic of like, batters stepping out of the box and taking forever pitchers taking forever. And that's like a common topic. It is just, is it was impressive to me how modern this baseball game felt, even though it was playing by nineties rules and was, you know, made 14 years ago or whatever. Yeah. You could have done this today. I mean, it's pretty similar. I do want to know who the baseball consultant was that allowed them to come up with the ridiculous. He didn't touch home situation. Oh yeah, of course, right? Like the no major league umpire is going to do that, right? Like he didn't a, touch home and he walked into the dugout. He's out. That's a that's a rule. Yeah. So yeah. And, and, and like you know the, the they did it because it's a fun scene with Odo being like, mm, but I, I didn't yeah. say anything. Well, like, but Odo but, Odo quotes the rule book down to the literal paragraph. The paragraph in, in the know. next scene. But in this scene, doesn't realize that in 1880, they came up with the rule that if you miss a bag and you continue on the base path, you're out. Right? So, like... Home isn't... There's no more base path from home, right? Right. So, if you step beyond home and out of the catcher's ring and you hit the dugout, you're out. That's in the rules. Mm. So, it comes... It gives us a great line with uh, Worf saying... uh, what do I, you know, Nog says, what do I do with the baseball? And he's like, find him and kill him. Yeah. Yeah. That was other Worf's other great line. Okay. So let's, let's look at Worf's lines in this entire episode. 
Uh, we will we will annihilate them. We we will destroy them. We will, yeah, we will destroy them. Death to the opposition. Death to the opposition. Do not rush me. Find him and kill him. Does Worf speak in the rest of the episode other than those four lines? Uh, he has like a line somewhere of like, of course, you know, we'll play or whatever. Um, not much other than those, though. I don't understand why the, in theory, best player that he could be, have had on the team is like a trivial part of this episode. The lines it's, are are making me laugh and I'm smiling about them now, but they're kind of ridiculous. Yes. I mean, I'm sure that you could listen to Michael Dorn and he will tell you that he was typecast the entire time he was on Star Trek in every scene, every episode, and was frustrated that he never got to have like real plot lines. That's not true. He had real plot lines in DS9. I I think DS9 was the culmination of him finally getting that and after having been frustrated about it on TNG for seven seasons. Yeah. Well, this is season seven of this show, and I was like, wait a minute. We've returned to Worf being an idiot. Why? Yeah. Yeah. I was it, like, it does stand out. It does it stand, stand out. That, I mean, you're in season seven of DS9. Worf is a character, like, by now. And it stood out to me as, like, wait, what? What? Why are his lines just, like, v- uh, Klingon one-liners? I don't get it. They could have got Martok for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, that's all yeah. I wanted to say. It was just weird. It was a weird return to old Worf. Um, yeah, I I agree with you though. It was very strange why they did that. Yeah. So, um, Worf causes Cisco to get thrown out of the game over a correctly okay. called strike. <laughs> I was just gonna say, do you think it was out? No, uh, it was it was a strike. Odo calls it a strike, and the classic baseball trope. Of the manager coming out to argue with the umpire and getting thrown out of the game. Yeah, uh, it was good. So Cisco has to. I like cool the, off I like that. Stance. In the uh, in the scene, they did a good job. Avery Brooks did a great job of acting like a baseball manager arguing with an umpire because he does the same kind of motions where he's kicking his feet and like not touching the the ump and he's like oh and like shaking his fist but not touching him and then eventually he pokes his shirt. And the Odo just smiles, and he's like, you're out of there. <laughs> and it, he's like, rule whatever, look it up, but do it in the stands, because you're gone. <laughs> it was just like, oh, man, you knew you knew it was going to happen, right? Like, there was no other there was no other way that this was going to, that this episode was going to proceed, I think, right? Yeah. All right. So he's in the stands. Some fun plays yep. happen. Kira hits a double, right? Yep. And, uh... Uh, Rom is like, yay! And, and Cisco's like, glares at him. <laughs> well, Cisco starts to break down here of like, his team is having fun. Yeah. They were having, they would have been having fun the whole time if he hadn't been it, 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 beyond he was not, reproach. If he, if he was not Captain Ahab hunting the whale, right? Like, sure. He would have, everyone could have had a fun time here. Absolutely. And he was the guy being the stick in the mud. Right, absolutely. So... Um, and he, he does eventually come around to the good idea at the end here, right? Right. Right. They were never going to win, is what he starts to realize in the stands, right. I think. And right. so that's when we get our Rudy moment here. Exactly. Uh, he, like, you know, he goes over and whispers to O'Brien, tells him to call timeout. Illegal, uh, by the way, if you've been kicked out of the game. To talk to the manager? Yeah, yeah you can't talk to the dugout if you've been kicked out of the game. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know 
<laughs> a lot of look a lot of rules were bent here today andrew you know, know. He, Juan, <laughs> nog tagged people in the dugout which is not he a also, thing <laughs> i mean he also added a player to the roster mid-game yeah yeah which solok does not complain about but then complains also, yeah it's almost like complains like the game isn't over yeah uh however then touches uh Touches Odo, touches Odo and then it gets thrown out gets, also. Gets the smile of like, of course, I'm going to throw you out too. So I went back and counted the number of Vulcans. And I think that uh, that they would have only had eight at that point. So it's a question of whether or not they could keep playing. I think I think given that they added Rom to the roster mid-game, you'd just say mm-hmm. the Vulcans would play with eight. Would Yeah. Also, they would have been fine. It didn't, yeah, seem like they were, it didn't seem like the Niners were too frequently getting hits anyway. So just no. like leave left field open or whatever. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Or center. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty amazing yeah. um, how the game just ends with the kind of like Rudy moment. And you're like, all right. So and and then they go back to the uh, the bar and everyone is celebrating uh, Rom and, and, you know, their their win, quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, they all signed that baseball, uh, and then Cisco offers to let Solok sign it. <laughs> He's just pissed. Sure. <laughs> uh, good yeah. ending. Good ending. Uh, interesting that we get a Vulcan that's so, so one notely, yeah. you know, like clearly a Vulcan it, that is some sort of supremacist. Yeah. It, like really, uh, you know, we talked about this even a little already that, this is kind of the downfall of the episode is that Solok's motivation makes no sense. Really. If you, if you spend any time thinking about it, you're like, why would he do this? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's supposedly from some place of logic or whatever, but like, I don't know. You got to reach real far to find logic in that. Um, I mean, the logic, the logic beyond doing one paper of saying like, you know, uh, human emotion can leave them, to do things like challenge an opponent they have no chance of beating and you're like okay yeah we kind of knew that but thanks for the paper and then continuing to do it is like right somewhat so beyond like, reason yeah and that's the part where you're like he's clearly just grinding an axe here at, you know about, so why like, you know just, then then you why? get into yeah, like it, why are you in starfleet well, and that is a bigger question of like why is does this ship even exist like yeah. why would the all vulcan ship be a thing because uh, yeah, I don't know wartime, and they just need bodies. But like at some point, like you know, Starfleet wouldn't have this. No. This isn't something Starfleet would do. Yeah, it's kind of a failing of this uh, writing wise. Um, but well, I mean, what was the episode about? I think it's a it's obviously about accepting loot loss, right? Like accepting losing, not loss like emotional loss, but like accepting the fact that like before you even begin, you can't. Uh, get ahead of a situation right and just having to Mm -hmm. work within what you know and what you know is going to happen and saying i either can enjoy what exists or i can be miserable about it and like don't take something that is your joy and be miserable about it right i don't know i mean so like there's there's tons of ways you could connect this to your life and and uh and it doesn't have to just be baseball, but baseball is allegorical. It's just a, it's the easiest sport to use in American culture, I think, to, mm-hmm. to connect a lot. I mean, there's it, a lot, you know, it, it yeah. is a, 
there's a discussion about like American culture and what is the the sport that connects with most people. And I don't these days is it baseball anymore? It I I think what yeah. the reason that it is baseball is because baseball connects to statisticians and poets at the same time. Statisticians is certainly... can, can look at a game and only know by the numbers who's better, how it went, all these types of things. They can literally never see it played and enjoy the game. And poets can enjoy the game only for three minutes of two and a half hours and saying, that guy stood at the plate, did his Casey at the bat moment. You know what I mean? And it was the transcendent moment of the one at bat and, and the one pitch that causes the, right. you know. A football play, unless you've got a... Uh, I'm, I'm, a scrambling quarterback, about- you know, running through the opposition for ninety some odd yards doesn't afford you the 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 gigantic statue moment that you can make a bronze I mean, thing out of, right? I mean, there, but there are those plays, of course. Yeah. They're not just they're not frequently, you know, the the Minneapolis miracle or whatever, right? When uh, when Stefan Diggs caught that ball at the end of the but ste- that's like, a, last second that's of the a play that involves that's a play that involves three or four people. And you you get into the but argument. It, on, I, I am I'm not trying to talk about like whether the sports are culturally relevant or not. My point not, is that the I'm not saying that they're that, the cultural what is the sport. What is the sport that most people understand and connect with? And I'm saying and that I, that because that that these uh, opportunities exist more in baseball in terms of like the the ability to slow it down and put it into a moment or put it into numbers mm-hmm. or put it into these types of things. It might be still baseball because it is certainly easier quicker. to tell a story in baseball. Yeah, you, it's like impossible to tell a story a in game, tennis, right? right? Oh, I mean, what tennis, tennis is extremely easy to tell a story, right? It's only two people. You have the, yeah, but you like, can't, this, you can't tell this story with tennis. No, you can't tell this story, of course. Right? And, and you, you can't know, tell this show... story with golf. You can't tell this story with football because, like, imagine know. if imagine Happy if they Gilmore were trying to play rugby with golf. What's that? Happy Gilmore told a story with golf. Happy Gilmore told a Happy Gilmore story with golf only about yeah, well, Happy no, Gilmore. Like you can't you can't tell the the story of Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite with a different sport. The sport was the episode was written for baseball. I'm telling but you, like, but you can't you can't make the story about rugby either. Right, like he can't be a fan of rugby because it doesn't it doesn't translate. I was thinking about I, this. I honestly was thinking about this, and it's like, what is it? I don't it? know if I agree with that. I, okay, so I was thinking about why in the future, when you're talking about a Gene Roddenberry, like everything is universal, nothing is American, nothing is this, nothing is that. Uh, why they end up back on baseball, right? And baseball is American sport. It's not cricket. Yeah, I mean, you would, it's not. I mean, you would expect it to be soccer, right? Yeah. So why not soccer? Maybe soccer is better than rugby. Because when I thought about rugby, I was like, well, they'd get murdered by the Vulcans. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. And similarly, soccer, they would also get murdered because the Vulcans so, just sprint up and down the field and there's nothing they can do. That's why baseball. Because in baseball, you get the idea that it might be egalitarian enough, right? Like if you just believe enough if like cisco says you have more heart you can win a baseball game that's the people's belief about baseball in america yeah i guess i i i understand that i understand that the the underdog story in baseball is a 
it is more believable that the underdog comes out and wins, you know, due to love of the game or, you know, love of the team or something like that. Right. It is an, it is, Uh, it is in other sports. It is a lyric that exists already. We already talked about bad news bears. We already talked about, you know, other sports movies. Yeah. You get Rudy, but Rudy is a part of a football game. His team was always going to win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right oh he just happened to have a great play in the end of a game they were already you know anyway yeah so i, I with i i am with you i i understand I, and especially like you have to you have to evaluate all this stuff in the context of stuff as it exists in the like collective consciousness of the people watching this show as well like Rudy is a show that already has been made at this point, right? There have been 500 baseball movies at this point, and you, that story is somewhat known. Yeah, but but I think it really did. I mean, I sat here. I read, have a page of notes that where I wrote out my, like, they removed baseball from Star Trek. I mean, they were going to originally put baseball in the next generation. There's an interview about it. Oh, and they, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. So the guy that... that uh, Miller, I think, is his name that worked on this. Worked on Next Generation. He pulled baseball out of some of his scripts there because it, they didn't think it was universal enough. They didn't think it was futuristic enough. They didn't think it reflected moving on together. And so it was weird that they threw it back in here and they made it such a part of Cisco's character to me when they thought those things initially. And I, I sat and thought about it. I was like, it's not universal. People outside the United States don't connect to baseball the way that we do. Um, but there's enough of it in TV trope. I mean, there's so many TV tropes about baseball. There's so many movie course, tropes yeah. about baseball. And it's the one that gives you iconic standing moments. It's also the one that gives you a scoreboard where you say, yeah. yeah, look, they're losing. Look, they're still losing. Look, they're losing worse. And it's like, yeah, you could do that with soccer. But like at a certain point in soccer, it's just futility. And people aren't going to want to run up and down the field chasing Vulcans <laughs> in a soccer game and saying they're still having fun. So so it's I, weird to think about it because it's not universal, but at the same time, it's a, it to me is a game that is the only one that provides you the chance to say, hey, there's, you know what, we got out of that half of an inning and that was frustrating, but let's go get up and bat. And oh, here, Kira hit a double. Now we're having fun again. And I think also it it is worth pointing out that, you know, you, you talked about the universality Really, that speaks to some level of the stuff that happened in DS9, the series, being their chance to walk away from some of the... It, had Roddenberry died at this point? He may... I maybe believe, not. Or I believe by 98 he, was, he had passed. Well, I, by I, 98 he was for sure, but I don't, I don't remember when it was that he died. But anyway, the... 91. You know, he was... He had died somewhat recently, still. Uh, and just before, I think, or right after it had started. Yeah, and so the his presence still loomed, you know, and his vision was still a thing that people ostensibly cared about, although, you know, the showrunners were really the people running the, you know, the executive producers and the studios were running the show. Uh, but, you know, they had an idea for what Star Trek was, and Star Trek was what the next generation was, because that was the hugely popular thing, right? Yeah. And in getting away from that, as they did with DS9, you know, it kind of was, it was the 
the subversive show in some ways, right? And that allowed them to do things like tell a serialized story or have a game where they play baseball. Because as you say, they this is not a baseball story. is not something they would have done in the next generation because it wasn't utopian. It wasn't universal. It wasn't something that would have like spoken to humanities, even though it does speak to humanity's best natures in some ways at the end. But you know, it is a it is a story about like petty human vices in some ways, right? Yeah. Like well, it is also it is also a story about your choices. You can choose I've I've been on baseball teams and softball teams, right? As an adult human being. When there's no reason as a kid as a kid you gotta play baseball or some other sport. Right, your parents make you. You need the activity. You need to learn teamwork and camaraderie and all these things. It's a, sports are for teaching, but these are adults, right? There's no, there's no moment in this, this show where he's using baseball to teach anyone anything. We're using mm-hmm. we as people watching are using it to learn about the people that are playing, but it's not a sport where he's using it as team building, right? Right. Um, and, and like, in fact, it, they could have done that, right? They sure. could have made this a like, let's build a team and raw. We have like a, you know, the team is dysfunctional for various reasons. And then eventually comes together. People are jealous that Worf is good. People are jealous at Bashir or Kira or whatever. Yeah. This, uh, but they didn't do that story, right? right? They did you're something right. else. Yeah. You, that absolutely could have been a thing. Um, and it, I don't know if it would have been good or not. I don't but know it, either. But, that, but it, it's not as what an they ad, did, right? As an adult playing this sport. The point of this episode and the point that people may not realize if they haven't played a sport as an adult before. Um, I've played on baseball teams and I've played on softball teams. And obviously the baseball teams are competitive and the softball teams are not. Every Mm. minute that we played softball, we've played them where we didn't have enough players. We've played them where we were getting trounced. We played them where we were winning handily. The spirit of the game when you're out and playing is not what Solok and, and uh, Cisco are doing. They're in right. it for the rivalry of it. And they're in it to taunt and berate each other. They're in it to show each other that one is better. And that is the experience that I had playing baseball. When people would get in fights on a Sunday morning over whether or not somebody caught a ball in the outfield or whether or not something was a strike or whether or not somebody accidentally pitched at somebody else. And you're like a 30 year old Mm -hmm. person watching people, you know, on your Sunday morning, get in fights in front of you for, for something that is a game versus when you you play softball. Right. You hear about this all the time with parents and their little league kids playing little league, right. Where the parents are up in arms about a call the umpire makes or, Timmy was out at the base or Jane threw the ball in the wrong way or whatever. And now all of a sudden the parents are screaming and yelling and getting in fights in the stands. Yeah. And so given, given the ability to stop and think that exists in baseball and softball, unlike a soccer where you're running and running and running, right. You're in it for the exertion in soccer. You're in it for the fun of trying hard as much as you can. And I think that's good. A lot of people play soccer as adults and it's, and I disagree with that. I mean, there is time to stop and think in soccer as well, but I, it is, there is a lot more downtime. The physicality of a game like rugby or soccer is, is a lot of the point. More important. It's a lot of the point and more important. And the non physicality needed to play softball as an adult is part of the point. You Mm -hmm. have to make the choice about enjoyment. 
to play a game like that. And they make the point that that Cisco isn't choosing not to enjoy a game he ostensibly and Cass does enjoy a lot and right? Jake love together just enjoying they love to watch it they love to do these things and and the idea that he made the choice not to enjoy it anymore right yeah is a yeah. big part of this and the catharsis at the end of his his need to let go of his anger that doesn't he Sol Solok has no power over Cisco he does it's not like he's holding him down it's not like he right Cisco is the commander of the station he could or yeah. the the captain of the station, he could throw him off. Like yeah. he doesn't have to let him dock there. He can just yeah. tell him to to pound bricks. Yeah. Um. You know, it, it, like it's irrational and, rivalry you know, that has taken them both. Yes, over. exactly. Yeah. And you know, as you said, it, it then eventually just leads you back to the only flaw that we really have with the episode is that, like, why is Solok doing? This? Yes. Um, I think I think the. This, these are some of the simple. Some of we went over some of the simple lessons, right? Cisco has mm. to return to his love of the game. That's the simple lesson. And we went over some of the complicated lessons, and I think, I think the the most complicated lesson comes back to the the story of DS Nine and where it goes by the end, which is, you know, that victory can't come at all cost, right? Uh, with no cost, you mean? With uh, yeah, or with no cost, or at all cost. Cisco, Cisco's willing to give up his love of the game. Cisco's willing to berate his crew. Cisco's willing to do see, anything okay. to think that he could win when he can't. There's no chance he's ever going to win. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, he, the team the, shows uh, him that uh, the team shows him that ten to one is just as important as having one, right? Yeah. Like you can walk away at 10 to one and still have enjoyed the game. If you choose that, that's your victory, you know, and given, given the war they're in, right. It's not, it's not going to work all the time. They're going to lose a lot. And I, I think it is. Do you think the writers put this episode here at this point in the season, or relatively early on, before it sort of becomes clear what happens by the end of the season, I think that the season is already sketched out. Intention, right? Like they well, know how the show ends at this right? point. Yeah, or they have the broad strokes of how it ends, right? And so they know, you know, generally what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so they put this here intentionally to start teaching the viewers maybe less than the characters. Like I don't know that the characters have grown in the transformative way that you think here but certainly they have learned a lesson i think you're right and i think the lesson that the writers are saying is as much to the viewers as it is to the characters absolutely yeah i think you're right i think it might honestly be more an audience lesson than a cisco lesson right cisco doesn't necessarily change after this right you know it, it especially because uh Cisco has had seven seasons worth of good character development up to this point sure. anyway, right? And and even in the bar, you can see that that he he doesn't learn to like Solok. He doesn't even learn to stand Solok. He they taunt Solok out of the bar. It's not like they've learned yep. to be sportsmanly. It's not like he yeah, walked they up they, and, that, and that isn't the end, right? At the end, it's not like they're yeah, they're not sportsmanly or nice. They don't like shake hands, good game, and Solok go off on his there's way. No, yeah, there's no they're being 
they're just as antagonistic to him as he was to them at the beginning. Absolutely. That's not the lesson, right? The, le- this, the Right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, absolutely right. That it's for the audience more than for the and Francisco. I, I think it is a, a, a putting an episode like this, whether it is this one or one, you know, with a similar nature is them showing that like, hey, you already knew that this, you know, based on the conflict we set up conflicts have stakes and serious repercussions and this show is not afraid to shy away from serious lasting changes and i mean like you know it already happened even in this show right doesn't or did that happen later what nog loses a leg right that happens, already happened here uh no it happens later it happens later okay. yeah because nog I think that's uh, like towards the end of towards the end the war okay. here. I, yeah, Nog, Nog um, definitely loses the leg though. Yeah, and and it was a big We've lost a Dax um, already. Um, right, Mart- Martok loses an eye. Yep. So you know the, the the show is more interested in having stakes for its characters because it because of the serial nature it doesn't have to have every cast member carry forward all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that is a big shift for the world of Star Trek when previously, you know, you could be pretty darn sure Spock was never going to take a phaser and die. Yeah, Spock was not going to lose his leg, you know. Right. And, like, you know, they weren't going to do that to Scotty either or, you know, Sulu or any of those guys uh, or or Uhura even because they were going to be back next week. Yep, they had to do um, something else next week. Yeah, yeah. So that uh, this is even a little episode like this where it doesn't—it seems relatively self-contained, and the story itself is self-contained. It's, it's yeah, nine tenths self-contained. It's literally like right. you're saying, just for us to move forward and say, there's going to be a need for these characters, especially for Cisco, to understand him you know the lessons of baseball and and more so that us to understand they're gonna lose 10 to 1 yeah because i think at this point like we've already seen that gigantic dominion fleet one time right uh yeah at least once of course not 10 to 1 it's not 10 to 1 it's a lot to not a lot (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah it's quite a bit (laughs) uh it is a uh, episode when I initially we were talking about watching this, I was I looked at it. I was like, eh, this is kind of a whatever episode. I don't have anything bad against this to say. I don't have anything bad to say about this episode. It's like, ah, there are like other DS9 episodes I think I like more. I think that's and I right. Watched this, yeah. and I was like, ah, I think I still have that opinion that there are other DS9 episodes I like more, but I also still like this one. I think that it's funny because I came to that same conclusion about Darmok. Hmm. I really like it and I really like this. Um but there's it's not the best one. It's no. not nearly the best one and it's not it's not lasting, but it is in a weird way. I could quote you exactly what happens in Darmok and I can quote you what happens in this and I don't know why. Something about I, it and and it's I remembered very little about this before we started. Oh, interesting. So I will say okay. it didn't have like some kind of lasting impression on me. It does for a lot episode. of other people though. I I when I was research, I was doing a lot of research for this one in terms of reading what was out there at the time, and a lot of people either remember it now or remember it then because of baseball. There's there's a there's more reviews 
that are in depth. There's plenty of recaps on Star Trek sites, but there's plenty of people talking about their experiences around this episode more on baseball sites than there are on regular sites. There's even a baseball site out there called Baseball Prospectus, which does player uh-huh. analysis, which did an episode, which did an, a review of this and Cisco's choices of where to place players. Hint, Nog should have not been a catcher. I mean, I think I could have come up with that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, that is funny. I, I think it just does go to show the like crossover appeal that this very baseball centric episode had for this show. Brent, right? Brent also like Brent at some Spin- point, Brent maybe- Spiner, Brent Spinner, Brent Spiner, Spiner. I want to say said that this is one of his uh, top five weirdest and most enjoyable episodes of Star Trek. I think I agree with that. It is a pretty weird episode for sure. Right. And like, it's always um, on the holodeck. Li- it's, it's sorry. I don't mean to keep cutting you off. It's just no, no, strange because no, no. it stands out, but it doesn't stand out. I think that this, an episode like this was probably extremely fun for the cast and crew to make at some level. And that is probably part of why it stands out as much as it does because the cast and the crew remember it very fondly because they were, they were outside they got to have, you know, like fun new uniforms. They had a weird baseball game that they played for a couple weeks or whatever while they were filming it. Uh, and that's probably stands out in their mind more of the like the 43rd time they walked down the corridor and talked about the Dominion or whatever. Yeah. Even if even if maybe the art of the the show that was made was less good overall than the 43rd time they walked down the corridor. Yeah, um, I think I think you're right. I, and and it it's not as good as darmok or whatever i was saying earlier i was just saying mm-hmm. it it follows with me the same thing with like yeah I, I like darmok and i like this a lot and i think you're right though that like when i think about ds9 i can remember this episode really well for some reason but it's not nearly mm-hmm. nearly in the top episodes yeah, of DS9. I, I mean you know the but it fit our goal there are, i agree it gave us a great topic to talk about um and I'm sure we'll do these again. We have enjoyed doing these in the past. Mm-hmm. We could continue doing them every now and then. Um, I don't know. The Star Trek release calendar is a little bare right now. Yeah, I think it's time to take a Paramount Plus break. <laughs> yep, yep. I don't think... Uh, let me see. The next one out is, I think, bringing back uh, the animated show. He was going to say it's like Lower Decks again sooner or later uh lord dex season two august yeah yeah so hmm who knows well yeah i like uh that show so i'll be happy to watch it (laughs) but we'll we'll find something to talk about in the meantime and i'm sure we will let you know through various channels yeah uh, I enjoyed this. There are like you know, we were talking about great DS9 episodes. There are a lot of great DS9 episodes, some of which are more plot heavy than this. This is a pretty plot free one, which is nice. It's nice because unlike a TNG, you can't sometimes pluck stuff out. Yeah, some of the greatest DS9 episodes are like heavily involved with the Dominion War storyline and sort of will require you to watch several episodes in a row in order to understand the whole context yeah absolutely uh, so i don't know what we will do we'll do something though um 
I believe in us. <laughs> we have a we I have a list. There's we've talked about enough okay. stuff uh on the side of like random ideas in terms of like I think we were talking about like possibly doing some of the physics of Star Trek stuff and a couple other things and and so we we could get through that. And uh in the meantime, if you uh think this episode's terrible or you think we didn't give it enough credit, Uh, you can send those to podcast at wewergamers.com. This is an email address. We do read it. Please uh, send us your your emails and comments and stuff. We love to read them. We are also uh, on social media. You can search for at wewergamers on Facebook, Instagram, all those various things, as you know. Uh, we are on there begrudgingly sometimes, but we are. Uh, we are also, this podcast itself uh, is on YouTube. You could watch it there. Uh, with a neat visualizer and a fun uh, background podcast uh, video there. I enjoy it that way sometimes myself. Nice. All right. Until next time, live long and prosper. It is kind of funny how Worf only has those kind of lines in this. It's funny. It's, it's not, funny. It makes me laugh. And then I was like, mm, is it making me laugh? Yeah. Why is it making me laugh? Like they're great lines, but they're great lines in like TNG context. Yeah. Yeah. After having watched kinda... Worf become Worf and like head, head into becoming the commander of the defiant, all that kind of stuff. You're kind of like, what? But there's not a lot of room for anyone to do much of anything in this episode other than Cisco. Yep. Yeah. I get why it happens. The other, the other, yeah. Cause the other problem is that like Quark has three lines. Lita has three lines. You know, uh, yeah. You've got no all one, 11, yeah. you've got all, like literally all 11 main cast characters, right? Yeah. Trying to fit in time. Plus you got to do, you know, his big speech and mm-hmm. the training montage so, is good though. It was. Made me laugh. This, I, uh, would scotch flavored gum even be good? What? Like, would scotch flavored gum even taste good? I don't know. <laughs> Might not. It wouldn't burn. Yeah, no, it wouldn't burn. Yeah, you would just get the flavor. I don't know. I don't think it would be good. I, yeah, I kind of think it might be bad. I can't chew gum anymore. You can't or you don't? I can't. I mean, I can, but I can't. My jaw clicks the entire time I chew it. Huh. It's really annoying. Hmm. I asked my dentist about it. He's like, yeah, it just happens. I'm like, okay, what can I do about it? Nothing. Okay, bud. I had a piece of gum for the first time in like months the other day. Uh, someone at work while we were working in the lab was handing some out. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Sure. Um, it was a piece of gum. I don't know. I didn't think about it. I chewed it for like 30 minutes and threw it away. Man. Now I'm thinking about that episode where Nog lost his leg now. Yeah. I don't remember which episode it was. I remember, I remember thinking about it because of the documentary that I watched that talked about it, of course. Yeah. But anyway, all right. Great talking with you as always. Of course. Yeah.